It's still not too late. If you're just now hearing about our fast, you can join us throughout the remainder of our fast. We're fasting until the 21st. And so we're just believing God for, for good things and great things and for, to do the things that only he can do. The scripture says, uh, Jesus said that only some come out by prayer and fasting. And so we just believe that there's freedom that God wants for this community and freedom that he's going to do inside of our hearts that happens when we decide to say no to some things. So it's been quite difficult at the Hesser household. We've turned off all the TVs, but we, we try to, to offset that by playing lots of board games and things. And so we've been on these, we've been on these board game bonanzas. Anybody here ever play Catan? Settlers of Catan, okay? It's like the most amazing board game and also can start some of the most biggest family feuds. So it's, it's, great. it's great, though. It's all in good fun. We love it. We have a great time doing that. So, yep. So hopefully you're able to, you know, enjoy your family during this time, even if you're saying no to some, some other things. So we are uh, continuing our sermon series that Pastor Joy started last week called, obviously, 2020 Vision. You cannot not do a sermon series about vision in the year 2020 when your name of your church is vision. You just can't. I mean, there's, I mean, if we were not to do it, everybody would probably like leave or something. They'd be like, how dare you? It's kind of funny because uh, there, uh, there's been some people that kind of making fun of it, you know, well, oh yeah, they're doing a, a sermon series on vision. Well, guess what? Of course we have the right to, our name is vision. <laughs> We've been waiting for this for 15 years. <laughs> so uh, if you look up the term 2020 vision, it's a term used to express normal visual acuity. If that's how you say it, right? Right? Yeah, good. I said it. I'm like, sometimes. sometimes okay, basically, it's the clarity or sharpness of vision measured at, at a distance of 20 feet. So if, if you hear somebody say they have 2020 vision, well, they consider that perfect vision if you're staring at Have you, you ever seen one of those things? See, now they make you stick your eyes in the little thing. But it used to be a board on the wall. You'd stand 20 feet away from it. It had a big E and then a bunch of letters, and you'd have to read all the letters. So if you could read down to a certain line, it, you, they would say you have 20-20 vision. Well, if you couldn't read to a certain line, it would be 20-40 vision or 20-100 vision if you had, like, really bad. Or, or if you could see beyond that, actually it would be like, like 15-20 vision or 5-20 vision. So, so 20-20 is actually the, consider, we consider that perfect vision, say perfect vision. It's when you can see in perfect clarity according to the standards of our eyes. <laughs> and so 20-20, I pray that God would perfect our vision and that uh, in this year 2020, I pray that God would increase our spiritual sight, amen? That we can truly see with the eyes that he has given us to see. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, without vision, the people perish. When we first planted our church back in 2006, uh, that, was, that was like the, uh, uh, the heart of, of, the, of our name. It was the heart of our church. We're like, without vision, the people perish. And so we're named Vision because we want to be a place, a beacon of hope and light where people aren't perishing, right? So... Again, so uh, I just want to kind of take a journey just for a second and go all the way back about this. what's so cool about this whole vision theme and this whole vision thing. It's more than just a sermon series for my wife and I. Because all the way back in 2005, my wife and I, when we stepped out of children's ministry and went into youth ministry, the Lord spoke to our hearts about 2020. And we actually, the name of our, of our youth ministry was, do you remember, Lindsay? Nope, he don't. Of course he does. He's being a butthead. <laughs> Becca remembers, right? 
20, it's on the board, it's up there on the screens now, of course. 2020 Youth. That was the name of our youth ministry because our heart was the whole thing about, you know, without vision, the people perishing. We were seeing young people perishing, so we wanted to be a place where young people could have real sight and really see God for who he truly is, really see themselves for who they truly are. And so we named our youth ministry 2020 Youth, and this was our motto. It was eyes on the lost while fixed on the cross. And so that's kind of a long thing. I don't know if, people, if churches do mottos anymore, but that was what we did, and that was kind of our thing. And so we had a heart for outreach, for reaching out to people, and we had a heart to have people experience God and see God in a real way. And so that was kind of our heart. So then when we, and we only actually did youth ministry for about a year, year and a half, but still God kind of planted this thing in our hearts for, my wife is, she, yeah, she, she said she's been doing youth ministry for 20 years, and that is true. Uh, but, but I stepped out. So, uh, so, but this thing about vision and seeing and all this other stuff that God spoke to our hearts, when the Lord placed in our hearts and we went through the fiasco of planning a church, like there still was that thing about vision. And so, of course, we named out of even like with the 2020 youth, we named our church Vision. And then we named it Vision Ministries to complement Solid Rock Ministries. That was, the, that was the church that we were planted out of. And we had this real long motto when we started back in 2006. And this is it. To see God move in his power and restore vision to a giant dying generation. Again, I don't think churches do mottos anymore. But that was something like, that was plastered on all of our visual aid and all of our stuff. And that was kind of our hearts. Like, like we're planting this church because we want to see God move. We want to see people experience God. We want to see, remember, uh, without vision, the people perish. You know, that's this whole, that's the whole part of this is that because the people are dying without vision. So bring us all the way up to where we're at now. And, uh, and the Lord has obviously given us vision for our city and, and graced us with the ability to plant another location. And so we're just super excited about being able to, to preach about vision and preach about what God is doing. And so, friends, I believe and continue to believe that, number one, we need to see God as he truly is. We need to see God as he truly is, not in the image of him that we might have created of him in our own heart or mind, because that happens sometimes. We have this image of God or the way we think God is when he really isn't. That's called deception. People make churches based on the image of God that they believe. Or they believe that they can do all these things because they have this image of God. And that's why I don't think it's by accident that in the uh, Ten Commandments, he says, you know, thou shalt not have any other, you know, gods before me and make any images. Because it's, it's easy for people to have a belief of God in their hearts that's wrong. So our heart is that we would see God as he truly is. And how do you do? The best way to see God is through Scripture, right? See him through the Word of God. And so when we see God as he truly is, then it'll change our life forever. Moses, he started, to, he started to see God, and he started to see God move, and then he came with this bold and audacious uh, question. He asked God, and he said, show me your glory. And what did God say? He said, I like your passion, son, but no man can see me and live. I'm just going to dial it back for a minute. And then the scripture says that he actually went up, set him up on the cleft of the rock, and 
he put his hand over him so that he couldn't see and then uh, removed his hand and he saw the rear end of God. That's, uh, you know, I just, you know, he saw his behind, <laughs> saw his backside, saw his buttocks, if you would say. <laughs> I'm just going to say that just because I'm right there. It's funny. Sorry. He didn't, obviously, God doesn't have a butt. He's not a man. He's spirit, okay? So, so, <laughs> but he saw that, he saw, you know, behind. And so a lot of scholars believe that's where the revelation of, uh, Mo, of that Moses received of Genesis and creation, all this other stuff, because he saw where God was. He saw what God did. Some people believe that. I think that's kind of, that's a cool idea. So, but when he was uh, up on the cleft of the rock, I believe the best and accurate depiction of our king is the way that he explains himself. And so how does he explain himself? He explains himself like this. In Exodus chapter 34, it's this beautiful uh, uh, picture, and this is what he says. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, say yet. Yet he does not let the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So there's, I believe that is like the fullness of seeing our God in, in the correct way that he is. He's, he's gracious and compassionate. He's this loving, merciful God. Yet he does not let the wicked go unpunished. And so some people in their belief in how they see God is that he's just all love. He's all this. And then some people and some churches believe, well, it's just judgment and, and, and fire and brimstone and burn, you know, uh, Liars go to hell, burn, 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 burn. I mean, that's, they sing those songs around. They're teaching their kids the songs. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Revelation, some, some of y'all know, Revelation, Revelation, 21.8, 21.8. Liars go to hell, liars go to hell, burn, burn, burn. I mean, who comes up with this stuff? And teach a little kid that, right? It's funny. People are funny. It's, it is true. I mean, it's truth. You're teaching them truth, but... But when your kid is going to school talking about liars go to hell, burn, 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 I mean, that's not, that's, that's not going to win anybody to the Lord, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, you got to tame some kids back. You, I'll tell you, man, kids are just so, they're ferocious. Like, you, you teach a kid, they're going to they're gonna just go for it. They don't care. <laughs> and then you'll, then you'll have to, like, then you got to, like, bring them off to the side and correct them or whatever. So, anywho. <laughs> oh, kids are so fun. They say the darndest things. So that's why vision exists, so that people can see God move in his power, so they can see a holy God who has a holy standard, who's gracious and compassionate, but yet he does not let the wicked go unpunished. I remember when we were ministering one time uh, a number of years ago, we were downtown and we were doing our street evangelism, and we're talking. I remember this one lady, we're talking to her, and she said, well, my God won't send me to hell, and I can't remember exactly what I said to that, but I know it was something to the degree of, well, then, ma'am, you're not serving the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible, I mean, you know what I mean? And so, anywho, you know, it's, there's this belief that I can just do whatever I want, be however I want, and I'm going to go to heaven. And I, uh, I remember thinking before I became uh, a born again, before I committed my life to Christ, and that's what I thought, man, well, I'm, you know, I've never killed anybody, right? We got this, like, we, like, tra- we, tra- we try to hide what we what we're doing, and yet try to go to the other extreme of what, we're ne- what we've never done. Well, I've never killed anybody, so? But you stole, and you were an adulterer, and you're a liar, right? So, anywho, all that stuff. 
It's funny because Jesus says, and he's quoting Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21. It says, though they have eyes, they do not see. Though they have ears, they do not hear. And that's, friends, that's why we need to see God as he truly is. Because there are so many people that have eyes. He's, he, it's kind of funny because actually in Mark chapter 8, verse 18, he looks over his disciples. He's like, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. And so that's the reason we believe, number one, that we need to truly see God as he truly is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the eyes so that they can't see. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. Say vision. Vision. It's all about sight. You're going to see numerous scriptures. I'm talking about sight here. Because there's something about us having spiritual sight and us being willing and being those vessels that God can use and pour out of us so that others can have spiritual sight. Our heart and our message has always been Hebrews chapter 2, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Friends, don't fix your eyes on man. Don't fix your eyes on others. Don't fix your eyes on us. Don't fix your eyes on yourselves. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith, as the NIV says. Fix your eyes on him. All right, so number one, we need to see God as he truly is. Number two, friends, we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. Say, we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. So in some cases, people don't see God correctly. In other cases, we don't see ourselves correctly. And I'm going to go to both extremes, kind of like how I did with, about the way we see God. People can either think too highly of themselves or think too small of themselves. And that's, if, you're, if you think too highly of yourselves, you're not seeing yourself the way that God sees you. And if you th- see too small of yourself, you're not seeing yourself the way God sees you. The scripture says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. This is Paul talking. He says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And so when, when the Lord does this work in your life, it is, I, I believe it's one of the, the many schemes of the enemy to, mar- to make you start feeling like you've actually done something. <laughs> like, man, you're really doing it now. God got a, he, he received, man, the world is a better place because you got saved. <laughs> like, like. No. <laughs> oh my God. It's true though, right? I mean, people think like that. I mean, it's wasn't it that wasn't it Satan who was gifted in the most incredible ways? He's in he's before the presence of the Lord and he started thinking of himself more highly than he ought. Right. I mean it's it's I think it's it's a temptation for, for all believers that at some point you're gonna think, man, I'm 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 special. I'm anointed. The Lord's called me. I'm gonna do his work. Yeah, all those might be true, but you can't think those things. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't think like that. Or maybe you think of yourself small. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 19, Samuel's talking to King Saul, and he says, you who were once small in your own eyes, meaning that this guy thought too little of himself, yet he was called to be a king. So in some cases, we don't see ourselves the way God sees us because maybe we think too highly of ourselves, and the Lord needs to bring us down a few notches, or we think too small of ourselves, and the Lord needs to bring us up a few notches. Seeing ourselves through pride or insecurity, because that's what both of those are. When you think too highly of yourself, it's pride. When you think too low of yourself, it's insecurity. 
And those, those things, they do kind of go hand in hand. So friends, again, you know, you're not the gift of the world and you're not a doormat for everybody to use and abuse. Friends, you were clothed with humility. The scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 5 that we are actually to clothe ourselves with humility. And we need to own the fact that God is our Father and that we are his sons and daughters. So when you surrender your life to, to the Lord, when you surrender your heart and you live for Jesus, you are now a son or daughter, and he is your heavenly Father. And there's, I believe that there's this kind of, if we can have the, the best correct view of ourselves is that you are a son son, servant, or you are a daughter, servant. I believe that's, that's the best, the most clear way because that's how God sees you. He calls you into his family, right? He, he, he grafts you in so that you're now one of his sons and daughters, but yet you are still a servant, right? So, so you don't just go around like, Ooh, no, no, we're called to serve, right? The greatest among you will be your servants. I believe if you have that, that belief of yourself of being like this, I'm a son of God, I'm a servant of God, I'm a daughter of God, I'm a servant. I mean, I think that's the greatest balance so that you don't start thinking too highly of yourself or put yourself down and have all that false humility and all that stuff that we just need to go ahead and stay away from. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12 says, those who humble themselves will be exalted and those who exalt themselves will be humbled, right? I probably said it backwards, right? Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so it is in our best interest to humble ourselves, because if God humbles you, it's usually in front of others, and it's usually painful. So I would suggest, highly suggest, that if you can keep yourself in that secret place and keep yourself in that place of humility, then God will exalt you and honor you. But if you go around and you and, and uh, nobody can teach you, only God teaches me, watch out, friends. How many, anybody here ever meet somebody like that? Only the Lord teaches me. Men don't teach me. Aren't you reading the word? Wasn't it men that wrote it? Come on, get out of here. So anyways, right. I know, uh, you know, scriptures that were breathed by God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I know all that. So just to let you know, it, well, this is just meant, yeah. The scripture was God breathed, Okay. Number three, you guys still with me? So number one, we need to see God as he truly is. Number two, we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And number three, friends, we need to see others through the eyes of Jesus. We need to see others through the eyes of Jesus. Man, the Lord kind of, kind of, uh, he kind of deposited this thing in me um, last, last night as, as I'm like praying and spending time. I'm like, wow, this is like really amazing. I was looking back at some like old notes and realize I had like this kind of like this revelation and you know like if you take notes and stuff and I was like oh man I need to kind of throw that in there and so this is a Matthew chapter 25 we have time yeah we do we're going to read through verse 31 through 46 so it's going to be on your screens you can turn your Bibles there Matthew 25 31 through 46 I'll read through it as best as possible without making you fall asleep and um and then I've got some stuff I want to just share on this so this is uh, the final judgment we usually call this the sheep and the goats. Say sheep and goats. All right. Verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him and be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Say sheep on the right. Goats on the left. 
Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you stranger and welcome you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and and visit you? The king will answer to them, truly I say to you, as you did to the least of these of my brothers, you did to me. Verse 41. Here it goes. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That wasn't even prepared for us. It was prepared for the devil. God made the, God made the, he made the garden for you, and he made, and, and hell was a place for the angels, or, or, you know, the angels that fallen, yeah. Verse 42, for I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick and or in prison, and did not minister to you. Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of these least of me, you did not do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's tough, isn't it? It's real tough. I got a few things I want to share on this real quickly here. In verse 44, I just want to pause that part and just leave that up on the screen just for a moment, please. On verse 44, the goats answered. They said, Lord, when did we see you? Lord, when did we see you? When did we notice you? When did we not minister to you? See, friends, goats go to church, but they only focus on themselves. Goats go to church. Lord, when did we not see you? Friends, you can't see others when you're consumed with yourself. So goats, even though they're with sheep, even though they say Lord, even though that's why there was, it, it didn't say, it didn't say the unrighteous and the righteous. The goats and sheep were together and he separated them because sheep, they were the ones that actually did the will of the Father. And they actually spent their lives on behalf of others and didn't, it was such a routine they didn't even realize they were doing it unto Jesus. But goats came to church and their full focus was on themselves that they didn't even see Jesus. So, friends, goats go to church, but they focus on themselves. And, friends, so, so in just kind of this, this scripture, you know, friends, we are living in a generation that is more fixed on themselves than ever before. And you cannot see Jesus if you're fixed on yourself. That's why I said fix your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Again, you know, 
The Lord needs to do a work in our life. If there's sin in our life, yes. But let's not get so self-consumed. Friends, it's just, it's, it's scary to believe that, that this is going to happen at the end of the age. It's a scary belief that there are going to be people who think they're doing the right thing, yet they're not because they didn't see Jesus. When did we not see you? We live in a generation that's fixed on themselves. Face stuck on their phone. It's me too. That's why we fast, right? The sheep... It was such a habit. They didn't realize what they were doing. They didn't realize that it was for Jesus. And friends, that's one of the reasons why we have this beautiful, amazing ministry called Vision Kitchen. If you are a part of our Waterville campus, you have to, at some point, serve in Vision Kitchen. Friends, you want to feed, clothe, visit, all these things that he said? We already have the ministry set up for you to be able to step and do these things. Because the Lord has actually literally called us to spend ourselves on behalf of others. Not that you don't focus on you and focus on your family. Yeah, you have to keep yourself together. But, friends, your focus can't be on yourself. And, it's, and I'll tell you, and I'm saying this in all transparency with the most respect. We're living in a generation where, where uh, all of these different messages are all self-consumed messages. How to better yourself. You know, focus on me, 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 me. And, friends, that is scary because, to me, I believe what that's going to do is that's building in you the, you know, I'm going to church for me. When we should go to church for him. When you go to church for him and focus on him, he works on you. You guys still with me? Does your butt feel a little warm? A little spanking? It's all in love. All in good love. Because I love you. And friends, we need to see people not with our natural eyes, not with our physical eyes, but with our spiritual ones. And that's what, friends, we need to see others through the eyes of Jesus. When you, when you surrender to him, when you give your heart fully to him, you can, see, you can see the need and not just see yourself, right? And the need is always there. I pray that we would, would have eyes to see opportune times. Opportune times. Because I guarantee you, they're in front of you all the time. And so... That you're not just so focused and fixed on, I mean, I mean, there's times, I mean, I get it, you're just busy and running and errands and all these things. But there's times when I believe that we could just just for a moment reach out. And you know, it may be kind of it may be kind of embarrassing. I'm gonna just share just one little little quick here before I go to the next part here. Um, we gotta follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were uh, in Walmart and and there was this woman and she's and I don't know how exactly we know her. She knows, you know, and so like every time I see her, I talk to her and stuff like that. And she had this brace on her hand. And there's a line of people behind me. And I'm like, you know, she's scanning through our stuff and all this other stuff. And I forget what her, na- her name tag was right there. So it just makes it real easy to, you know. And I said her name. And I said, can I pray for you for like 30 seconds? You know, I, I know you've got a whole line. Just 30 seconds. I see your wrist. You know, she, was t- she was explaining to me how it's bothering her. And this. And, can I just pray for you? And, and, and she, you know, you could tell, like, this, like, hesitation and kind of like, like, and then she was like, yeah. And then I just prayed for her and, and moved on. But that was, you know, but I, like, kind of felt that little tug right here. Like, why not, you know? And then fears right, right there trying to, like, like, look at all these people. You got a line of people. And, you know. But who knows? That might be something that ministers to her for the rest of her life. 
that might be a small seed planted that says somebody cares enough for me, and she and I might see her at the pearly gates because of maybe one seed and then another seed and another seed, and I was just a part of that of of her realizing that God is looking down and seeing her. So you know what I mean. So, all right, let's continue on here. First Samuel chapter sixteen verse seven. Friends, we need to have twenty twenty vision because the thing is, is sometimes we see the outward. But God looks at the heart. And we are so easy to look at somebody's outward uh, appearance and, and, and quick to judge. And what's amazing about this verse here, and, and I'm, I'm not going to read just for sake of time, is, is this is God talking to Samuel, who was a man of God. God was speaking to Samuel, the man of God, who hears of God, and told him, said, uh, people look at the outward appearance, basically saying, Son, uh, just to let you know, no, you saw him. You thought, no, he was it. But I look at the heart. So sometimes we just need just a little adjustment. Now, to be quick to look at somebody's outward outward appearance, when God, man, we don't know, right? We never know. Man, don't, don't, uh, uh, you know, X somebody out when it seems to me in Scripture, God takes those who everyone has already called, like, like they're not going to do anything. God likes to take, I believe that God delights in taking, you know, the foolish things and confounding the wise. All right, we're going to end here with this last verse here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Friends, we got to have 20-20. Vision means we got to have, you know, we got to have perfect vision. I believe the Lord wants to perfect our vision because in order, because we need to be able to see God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this. It says, the pure in heart will see God. And I'm going to just say this, friends, you can't purify your own heart. You can't do enough works and deeds and penance and, and, and prayers and all this stuff to purify your own heart. What it is, is it's you actually just surrendering and God purifies your heart. But friends, we, we need to have a pure heart because the scripture says without a pure heart, we will not see God. So maybe our heart is perverse. Maybe it's corrupt. Maybe it's jealous. Maybe it's hardened. If we surrender it to our God, he will purify it. Because this is the thing, friends. If God sees our heart and it's not pure, then we won't see him. If God sees our heart, well, God sees my heart. Of course he does. God sees my heart. And he does. He sees, he sees all that nastiness in there. <laughs> God looks at Josh Hester's heart and says, Ugh. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me help you out here, brother, because uh, that's nasty. <laughs> he sees the selfishness, right? He sees the pride. Right? He sees the anger. He sees whatever it is. And so, friends, what's in your heart today? Because if it's, if it's not pure, I believe we're in a great place today for the Lord to do this work in our hearts, that he would purify it. Would you stand with your feet to me today, with me, excuse me, as we pray? Yes, stand with your feet if you can. Those are what you're supposed to stand on. Don't stand on your hands. (laughs) All kinds of blunders today, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's just, just take a moment. I just, this is so important. It's not just about hearing a message it's about responding to our God. And Lord, we've come here today for you. We've come here today for you. 
It's why we're here. It's why we woke up this morning and, and cleaned ourselves up and, and, and drove all the way to 7410 Noward to meet with you, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you for how good and amazing you are. And today, God, if there's anything, and, and God, what was said, God, that just kind of pierces our heart at, at any point, Lord, we just surrender that to you today in the name of Jesus. God, we surrender the way we see you. Perhaps it's not right. We surrender that to you today. God, we surrender perhaps the way we see ourselves. It's not the way you desire for us to see ourselves. We might see ourselves through our insecurities and circumstances and shortcomings, but God, you don't want us to see ourselves like that. So Father, we just surrender that to you. God, we surrender the way that we view others to you. God, we look on the outside, but you see the heart. Would you give us your eyes to see people the way you see them, God? so that we can look past the external, past the people's circumstances, and God, and see the work you're doing in them. Father, give us eyes to see. Your word says, God, to him who has ears, let him hear. Lord, we are just coming before you in humility, asking for you, God, to open our eyes with 2020 perfect vision in the spiritual context, in a spiritual way. God, would you open, God, our hearts? Would you open our minds? God, would you open, God, uh, Father, our intellect and, and all that is within us, all of our being to you, to be used by you, God, to be available to you, and God, that we would surrender everything to you. So, Father, we want to thank you again for this great work you're doing in our lives. And I thank you, God, for all of my brothers and sisters in here today, and I pray your blessing over them, that may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. May the Lord shine upon you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Friends, God bless you. Thank you for joining with us today. We're so glad that you did. If you can turn and let somebody know that it was good to see them, give them a high five, give them a handshake, give them a hug, say, great seeing you. Friends, have a great weekend. We love you. Hope to see you next week.